From WBEZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Taylor Coward, and I'm here with Cheryl V. Jackson. Jennifer's out today living her best life in Mexico, so we have a special guest host in the building. Please welcome to the When Magic Happens family, religion and culture reporter and blogger, Adora Namigade. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Glad to have you. We're excited. Today, we're talking all about the black card. What it is. Is it real? And to what extent does it affect us? Child, I have had my black card taken away from me, given (laughs) back to me, and taken away again. Okay? So I cannot wait for the discussion. (laughs) Later, we hear from Sequoia B. Holmes. She's the creator and host of the hit podcast, Black People Love Paramore. And she came with all the cultural references locked and loaded, so you won't want to miss out. All that and more coming up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So I was playing this card game recently that's all about the black card. And basically it's how well do you know these like cornerstones and references Mm -hmm. and little things that we do in our culture. And so I feel like this could be a pretty interesting conversation, the black card and how we feel about that phrase, what it means to us, if anything at all. So let's get into it. How would you describe the black card? And what it is. First of all, playing that game gives me anxiety. Okay. <laughs> so, and sadly, can I just I say actually, that? I played a game like that over Thanksgiving, uh-huh. visiting my boyfriend's family who are African Americans. And I was like, I feel stressed. <laughs> okay? I don't know the answer. Right. Right. You know, I literally, I just, one, knowing that I'm not going to get it, nail it all. Mm-hmm. And then the shame mm-hmm. that comes from that. So, yeah, those kind of games, mm-hmm. uh, very anxiety. Written. But you know, okay. what you learn from them is like, we're all different. And at the end of the day, we're all black. Okay. We're, we're not Clearly a you have not played spades. <laughs> well, because if you don't know how to play that game, uh-huh. your mama will hurt your feelings. Okay. <laughs> 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 they are not playing. Okay. That is, you got to show up black, black, blackity uh-huh. black, black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> An example I do, of I do like, not know how to play spades. You can't play spades at all. Okay. Okay. By the way, <laughs> actually, by the way, <laughs> um, okay. So in the game, a lot of times things are actually generational. Mm-hmm. They're regional. Mm-hmm. Like our guest Adora grew up in Detroit. I grew up here. So there's some black things that just I grew differ. Up in Memphis. You love red pop, Cheryl, and the church, and you barbecue spaghetti I or whatever. Love what God loves, okay? Bologna <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches, spaghetti, everything barbecue. Yeah. That's right. Barbecued spaghetti. Mm -hmm. And okay, I want to get into some prereqs of the black card. You mentioned spades. I'm one of those black people that just can't figure it out. You can sit there. You can tell me the rules. I can watch you play it on Thanksgiving. But I just don't understand. Also, playing the game, mm-hmm. then you have to play the dozens while playing the game. Like the going back and forth, going off on folks, talking smack. I just can't. What about you? Adora? Yeah, I learned how to play spades this Thanksgiving. Again, <laughs> same trip. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> how did you do? Because my partner was good, I was okay hanging in there. Okay. But I really, 
I couldn't teach someone how to play spades. You know what I mean? I can yeah. kind of fake my way through, though. Yeah, but I you think I could get better if I try. Couldn't write the rule book, though. Right. Are y'all dominoes blacks? Do y'all play dominoes? No. Some regions of black people like really uh, yes. do. I've heard that. Where? Mm-hmm. Is it the South? Yeah, dominoes is a thing. It's not a thing for me. <laughs> okay, but we're like you're the southerner, so yeah. I know, right? We'll see that therein lies the problem. I'm okay, I'm getting my, my car revoked and my southern car revoked. That's today. true. I don't want to do that to you. So I'll sit back. What are some things that just like no no games to just definitely get it taken away? I think like political views. I agree. Okay, like a hardcore like black conservative. Get that's, into that's it. not gonna fly. Mm-hmm. No. Like we have these names before us, right? Stacey Dash, Candace Owens, Kanye West. Uh, like, right. come on. Yeah. Those people have had their black cards revoked Permanently. by someone. Permanently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I feel like uh raisins and potato salad will get your your <laughs> I mean that's your black card. Wait, okay. So revoked. this is raisins. about this is about to show different levels of blackness. I want I want a potato salad recipe. On oh, the I got it, babe. It's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Potatoes with the red skin. Lots of boiled eggs yes, in that. Yes. Okay. Mayo. Mm-hmm. But we also add lots of onions. Wow. Yeah. Lots is that, of onions. Is this a, like a typical Southern? This is a Southern. Wow. Every, I'm known for my potato salad, sis. Mm. Okay. That is... When magic happens, pop. That's right. <laughs> we need a when Recipe magic book. happens. Yeah, no, my book. potato salad and is on point. Tell us a story. About when your black card was called into question and what your reaction was to that. Do you want to start, Adora? <laughs> I feel. You know, I'm so triggered <laughs> talking about this because I'm just imagining my whole life. Like, when was it not, quite frankly? Yeah. You're about to get me on a soapbox. But basically, I feel like my whole life, people have been like, okay. Are you African or American? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And they won't let me be both at some point. By the age they of 20, I decided I'm going to be both. There you okay? go. Because right. I have to be both and neither will fully accept me. Mm-hmm. They just want to claim me when it's convenient for each of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yes. I'm just going to be both. Okay. And mm-hmm. that's fine. But even since I was a little kid, it's like, did you ever get this backhanded compliment about being articulate? Oh, for example? absolutely. That. Because it was like, okay, you are trying to say that I don't talk like a black person. Mm-hmm. Which is offensive to me. That's not a compliment. Well, well, for me, it wasn't a compliment. They're just like, you know what? You talk white. Mm. That just came Mm. right out with it. Mm -hmm. Is it better or worse, though, for it to be a compliment or insult? Because it wasn't, it didn't feel good as a compliment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, oh, thanks. You think I sound white? That's, you know? (laughs) Right. No, it was an insult. I mean, it was intended to be. Yeah. It was a way of saying you're not black. Right. Enough. And then what's the implication of not being black enough also, by the way? Right. It's just another way to other someone, otherism. Mm -hmm. And so for me growing up, there was lots of ways for me to feel othered. So I was the only black child in a in three grades combined. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when we got went to a school that was being integrated, you know, the Whoa. black kids are like you sound white. Hmm. You talk like a white person. So there was that. Then I had the nerve not to wear pants because I was Church of God in Christ. I was running around talking white in skirts all the time. And I was like uh, 10 pounds dripping wet. Okay. <laughs> Being 5'9". Okay. So it was a lot. Okay. That's of otherism. Right. Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation. One, because we can work to dispel those types of conversations mm-hmm. by 
showing that blackness and black people are not a monolith. Mm -hmm. We come in a lot of different ways from a lot of different places. But when you're isolated and you only Mm -hmm. know your people around you or you only know your family, that xenophobia of our own people trickles in. What about you? What's your experience? Because, you know, you are Gen Z. And so it's a little different for me being on the upper end of Gen X. Yeah, like you you talked about dealing with integrated schools. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I will never experience in the way that you did. But, you know, for me, I grew up in Park Manor and I went to school and I did choir in Hyde Park. And so you're kind of around a little bit of everybody. I didn't really experience a lot of othering until I got older. I went to school with a lot of Korean kids, a lot of Indian kids, a lot of Polish kids because we're in Chicago. And so it just wasn't that big a deal to me. But as bullying becomes cool when you're like in middle school, high school, that's when Mm -hmm. the othering really begins. Mm -hmm. But in middle school, my middle school, it was a little harder there because I did experience a lot of people questioning how I talked. And so I got it from both sides. I got teachers complimenting me on how eloquent I was and how articulate I was, which always felt like a slap in the face because it's like, why would you not expect a black girl to be articulate? Some of the most well-spoken people that I know are black women. Right. And then also other kids who I would get, you know, well, why do you talk like that? Why do you want to be white so bad? And I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, I I just like One Direction. But, (laughs) um, you know, sometimes, though, I feel like this conversation is a slippery slope because I don't want to go attacking people. Like, you didn't grow up with a girl that talked like me and you met me and I had to deal with that. But I also don't want to look down or think down on people that like, why do you think I talk white? Because then it's just attack on attack. Right. When you were talking, I was the show Blackish just kept popping into my head. Mm-hmm. And my sister, she's like, gosh, I feel like I've, I finally see myself, my, mm-hmm. me and my family mm-hmm. in the show Blackish. In hindsight, I wish I'd just said hello. So you leaned into a few dumb stereotypes to try and get people's approval. Everybody does it. Yeah, but not everybody is pulled into day-to-day situations where they're forced to pick a side. Did the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant or James Simpson not guilty of the crime? <laughs> You know, the Bo character, Tracy Ellis Ross character, was raised a different way. And, you know, she didn't know her black car was just uh, on rental, stayed on rental. Okay. (laughs) Never put a fork in a socket again. That's because your heart stopped beating for two minutes. Straight. My mother allowed me to learn my lessons on my own. And Mm. now I'm a doctor. And I have an intimate understanding of electrical current as it relates to cardiac muscle. Your childhood was lawless. But then she had children that were like, power to the people, you know, Mm. super black. And so that's my sister's dynamic of her family. And she's like, okay, we can be different even within our families about how we express Mm -hmm. who we are and what's defined as, you know, being black or what's not black enough. Yeah. What do you think has changed over time to make the concept of the black card um, have like less carry less baggage with it because mm-hmm. I noticed that Taylor, you definitely have like less baggage associated with that term mm-hmm. than like Cheryl does, or I, than even I do. I think I do have baggage, but I also am working to see that 
this somehow is an effect of racism. <laughs> yeah, no, and, real, and, and real. like I, I don't want to get mad at my own people. Like I just want us to all understand each other and our and our levels of blackness. I guess there shouldn't even be levels of blackness, but just understanding our blackness authentically and that it doesn't have to come in the same way. But I always would fall back on. I know that I have a Southern black green eating Pequino playing family at home. I can't let people question my blackness because I know who I am. And so a lot of it is knowing who you are, but I'm sure that's much easier for a northerner in Chicago than it may have been for Cheryl in the South. Well, even though me in the South, and I look at my nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. who were raised in the South, they're different. I just think the world is evolving. Mm -hmm. With Um, the internet too, like a lot of us are witnessing different lifestyles all the time in a way that maybe we weren't in past generations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with your generation, Taylor, Mm -hmm. I see a broader um, sort of acceptance of what it is to be black. Was there a thing that you liked growing up that people were like, are you sure, Black Cheryl, that you like that thing? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes choice of music. Mm-hmm. I like, like a rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> no, sometimes that music hits. I do right, have to say. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> But so so sometimes choice of music, and I think sometimes um, because I was raised Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. and it was very no secular music, no you know none of that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that context that was calling the question. You don't know that song, yeah. But it's less so now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel. I agree. It's, it's definitely less. Yeah. Adore. Has there been a thing like that for you? Mm. So I think it was like definitely the way I spoke growing up. But then otherwise, like I did grow up in like a white suburb. Mm. You know what I mean? So like honestly, the people I was around, like I was around like white culture mm-hmm. and then I was around like Ugandan culture. Mm-hmm. Right. More so than like African-American culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At any point in time. I just felt rejected from like all sides, mm-hmm. to be honest, like yes. when I was a little kid, because it was like, OK, white people were like, you're black. We all know the connotations that come there. Mm-hmm. But then even I felt like African-Americans were like, OK, you eat weird food like you speak a weird language. Like mm. you look different like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did feel rejected. I don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel rejected. Mm. Yeah. I could see that. That's I think there's the relationship or tensions between African-Americans and Africans is a thing. And, you know, it's a thing that I want to better understand. Cause even this question of being black, interestingly, like I noticed there are some black people who will like they'll say oh you're african you're not black and i'm like that's such a weird distinction i'm probably like, as black as they I'm come black. <laughs> right, right, right. like Hello. you're both right, right. You can be african-american and african and be black mm-hmm. so i'm like that that whole thing is weird but i do notice that in some people's speech they're like oh Does yeah she's not black often? she's african yeah that still happens today mm-hmm. but that definitely happens because you were born here correct yeah but that's the thing that's what's interesting it's like you're born here but you don't have history here mm-hmm. you don't have this culture right so you're not one of us you know i had this like it in uh, internal crisis when I was applying to college and I was like you know people that were like have African parents and then move here they're African American what am I so now I call myself a black American I do Interesting. too I, yeah. I more identify I think it's more 
for me, more mm-hmm. accurate. Like mm-hmm. to me, Adora is African American. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I hear what you're saying. Yes. I haven't heard that before, but that makes sense. That's, how do you, how do you like? I do hear that. How do you self-identify? If you don't mind me asking, I pretty much say because people be like, "Where are you from?" or all this. I just say I usually say something like, "I'm first generation, born in the U.S." Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, you know, my parents were born in Uganda, but I was born here. Mm-hmm. I usually say something like that. You just, just don't say like, Detroit. No, because there's too many follow-up questions. Detroit. There's too many follow-up okay. questions. If I just say I'm from Detroit, they'd be like, you from Detroit? And that's like, because where are you really from? People will probably see your last name and they'll say, right. you're not from here? Yeah, where are you what actually kind of name is from? That? Yeah. But I feel like it's even more invasive to a black person because it's like, what are you trying to prove by Because we already me? all struggle with belonging here, yeah. too, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Regardless of our ancestry. Yeah. It's just tough to be brown. (laughs) (laughs) And black. Our producers have created a game. They have titled the game Black Up or Get Snatched Up. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm guessing this is a City Girls reference. (laughs) Okay. Um, Like this. So you play the game by saying, I'm black, but... And then finishing the sentence. I'm black. Mm. I'm black, but... I'm blackity black, or am I black as... I'm black AF? <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. But... But... Okay, gotcha. And then you finish the sentence. And then at the end, do we review? No points. Okay, boom. We're no going to start. Just say it out loud. Who wants to start? Okay. You start, <clears throat> Cheryl. I'm black AF. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> I cannot take Housewives of Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. Not, not even Nene? Mm, no. I, I Maybe the memes of her I love. Well, whatever that means. It's getting weird. But I still need to get this watch. Bling, bling, bling. Bitches is mad. <laughs> but I can't sit there and watch that. Not a white refrigerator. Minutes. I can't do 60 minutes of uh, Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Adora. I'm black AF, but I love Tim McGraw. <laughs> oh my God. Hey. Can we get hey. a sample? Okay, there's this song he has about um, Live Like You Were Dying. Ooh. It's like the lyrics are so inspirational. He's like, I went sky diving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. Hey. I went 2.7 seconds hey. on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I love deeper, and I spoke sweeter. Yeah, because that's a like that's a guide to how to die well. Thank you, Tim. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna download it. Thank you. It's real good, little yee doggy. (laughs) Uh, I'm black, but I have no rhythm. Oh, I am, as my cousin says, and my mother, they say that I'm a part of the rhythmless nation. At least you have a squad. True. <laughs> yeah, my whole family—they play instruments and they dance mm. and sing, and I'm just over there. I'm crickets. struggling with a two-step. <laughs> I struggle. Okay, Sheryl, throwing it back to you. Okay, I'm black AF, but I am not a fan of Babyface. I know. Talk to us. That's inflammatory. Poor quiet. That his voice quality grates on my nerves. Whoa. I I look as yeah, I said it. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> I he's a prolific songwriter. Yes. I love all the songs that he writes for other people. Mm-hmm. But I just can't sit through. Mm-mm. You can send your hate mail to 
When Magic Yikes. Happens podcast. Okay, what happened to all that? We at as black people must be inclusive. <laughs> there is no black card. Wow. Okay, right, turn on each other. I know. Minute Quick. after minute. Got rid Mention of it. baby face. My golly. Yeah. I don't know. I Okay. Okay. Adora. I'm black AF, but I don't really code switch like that. So what you get is what you get, regardless Amen. of who you are. Okay. Amen. I like that. I'm black, but I, I haven't been to Essence Fest. Mm. Yet, Ooh. yeah, you got to go. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're gonna love it soon. You're gonna love it. I'll go with you because I haven't gone, <gasps> and I and it's in Nerlands, and I I was like 20 when I went, so I was like, uh, you know, I can't really do anything here. But I make maybe like 25. I'll go. Mm. Yeah. Fashion Fair yeah. is gonna be there this year doing a party with Big Frida. <gasps> so, mm. yeah, I love Big Frida. Mm-hmm. Did you see the? <laughs> she was just on this like. Uh... This kid's show. Mm-hmm. He, you better roll. <laughs> <laughs> roll. <laughs> Love me for you. Okay. Continue. Um, I'm black AF, but BET programming is not for me. You, whoa. I'm black, but I've never had chitlins. Oh, you never oh. even tried them? No. Oh. I may never. Oh. Because and that's okay. My mom cooks them. Mm. And so I experience the cleaning process, <gasps> the the aroma right. in the home. <laughs> and so just by the time they're ready and delicious, yeah. I just have been through the trenches already. That's I real. love chitlins. Chitlins. But you know, my sister and my father, they don't like chitlins mm-hmm. my father before he passed you know didn't like chitlins and don't fool around with neck bones so well look we learned something new mm-hmm. and uh and at the end of the day we're all black af mm-hmm. that's right and Chit- i dare anybody to call it into question right that's right i was in um nigeria on um business trip um i was with actually a part of delegation from u.s and some officials in nigeria asked me and it it was in a condescending tone um where are you from and i knew what it was about like you don't know who you are that makes me so sad too because again for what so then i said aha i am fulani because i have my african Mm. dna Done. I got exact names. I got exact the community. I know it down. And so when I said I'm Fulani, oh, Fulani girl. Yes, I can see height. That was tall mm. and my complexion. And he totally identified with me. Yeah. That was accepted. Now we can dap it up. <laughs> we can dap it up. And so and he goes, now we just need to know uh, who sold you. Whoa, whoa, Holiday. Wait, hold on, hold on, Holiday. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then I said, oh, I thought that was you. Cheryl. That's how bad it got. Cheryl Beth. Toe to toe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a who sold you. Like I, I was lesser than because I. Yeah. But then I had to come back. Okay. Because, you know, we got to clap back. Okay. Right. right. So <laughs> I had to clap back. <laughs> the line never, like the bar is always being raised, right? Because right. even like I'm closer to the continent than you, so to speak. Right. Yes. But like. <laughs> You know, every Ugandan, every different Ugandan has a different opinion on how Ugandan I am. You know, oh. some people are like, you are Ugandan. Like, your name is Namigade. Like, yeah. your parents were born here. Like, you are from here, you know. And some people really claim me. And some people are like, Shh, like, you haven't lived in Uganda for a day. Right. So mm-hmm. you're not a Ugandan. 
You know what wow. I mean? You're an American in my eyes. And there's some disparaging around that, you mm. being yeah. American. Yeah. Okay. So it can be like my dad views us as more American and my mom views us as more like you are Ugandan. And I feel that difference between them. And even my parents have been away from Uganda. They haven't lived there in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. They even feel like mm-hmm. they're not Ugandan. And like, it just doesn't end. When you go back, do you get things from people that are like, oh, Miss America? So it's both. So mm-hmm. I'll say two things. A, my cousins would like take me to the market and be like, Adora, if you want something, don't say so. Just tell us. <laughs> Point at it. <laughs> we'll get it for you. Okay. Because you're about to expose us. Yeah. <laughs> Messing up my prices. <laughs> That's hilarious. But then also my cousins are like, when I go, it's like, you're the American cousin. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to speak English with you because mm-hmm. we never get to practice English with like actual Americans, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. But sometimes, so sometimes that's like celebrated. It's like, oh yeah, that's cool. We want to mm-hmm. speak English with you. But sometimes it's like, girl, you better be quiet mm-hmm. because we need to keep these prices down. Like you said. Yeah. <laughs> so that's both. I love it's mixed bag. Like, but you know, I, and too, I love it too now. Yeah. Like at first, like I said, growing up, it was so tragic for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like, which one am I? How do I pick one? Uh, and now it's like, you know what? You're all. Exactly. You're I am every everything. woman. <laughs> it's all an Now, if I could sing that song well, I would start. Right. But let right. me be quiet. Cue Shaka Khan. Okay. <laughs> So, okay, we've had this conversation. At the end, do we still believe in the black card? I'm team no. Let's get rid of it. What about you guys? I'm trying to get there. You know what I'm saying? I know. Like, in my head, philosophically, I understand that it's a BS concept. Mm -hmm. But I know that I care because even, like, when I told my boyfriend I was doing this particular episode, Mm -hmm. he was like, oh, you'll be great for that because, like, you don't have a black card. (gasps) And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> we had a fight okay that's okay a now, step on the toe worthy yeah, yeah i was like i felt so hurt yeah that someone but i'm like I, I shouldn't feel hurt because i don't even believe in this concept you yeah. know what i mean yeah but i it's still if, there. I, if it emotionally touched yeah. me that much then i do believe in it i right. got you i i do it's an anthropological sort of experiment okay it's a way to shorthand okay Conversating, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to conversate with somebody, okay. Um, but there is a a certain comfort level mm-hmm. when you can, you know, look across the room, you look at each other, look back at the situation. It's a way to shorthand the communication mm-hmm. and be build instant space and trust mm-hmm. when it's used correctly, or or maybe not correctly. That's the positive side of it. Yeah. The negative side of it. It's divisiveness to be divisive and Mm -hmm. be otherism. So I'm sort of, I want to understand it. Mm -hmm. When I became the CEO of the Chicago Urban League, one of my friends like, how you get that job? You just got your black car yesterday. I was like, yes. It wounded my soul. I'm talking about like it happened yesterday. It wounded my soul. Yeah, stabbed. Like, he came for me. But, you know, it made me contemplate and think Mm -hmm. and be sensitive to maybe experiences within my own culture Mm -hmm. that I might have a blind eye to. Like raisins and potato salad. Nah, I ain't got no blind eye to that. Okay, so (laughs) I know what's up with the potato salad. Okay. 
But I have a blind eye to certain things. Yeah. And it should not be disqualified because I don't understand it or maybe it hasn't been my day-to-day experience. I think we all are agreeing that it can have a divisive nature. Yeah. It's is right. it asking how how educated in black culture are you? And so that is just like pulling hairs because it's like, well, you're asking me, how do I live my day to day? Like we are just who we are. I think we're getting to the place, though, Mm -hmm. that the black card is referencing a specific kind of black culture Mm. as black people in the U.S. Mm. get have more experiences, have more exposure have more access, that we're developing their different layers within our culture. And there needs to be um, more acceptance of that. Coming up, Sequoia B. Holmes sheds some light on this topic even further. And you don't want to miss what she's got to say. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Sequoia B. Holmes is hilarious. She's insightful, and she's a boss with her own podcast, Black People Love Paramore. When it comes to pop culture analysis and refreshing candor, Sequoia is in a league of her own. And when you hear our conversation, you'll know why immediately. The Black Card. Have you heard of the Black Card? Not sure have. I guess I don't have the best thoughts around it. Not like wildly negative, but kind of just like feels a little like an antiquated term, I would say. Um, And it feels a little boxy, like it puts you in a box. Like black people can only be X, Y, and Z. And if you live outside of that box or fall outside of that box at any time, then you are in danger of having your black card revoked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cut in half in your face mm-hmm. yep just like the proud family episode where steve harvey was the credit card and they cut him in half i don't know if you remember the episode but it was really no, funny it was very I, funny i didn't process that it was steve harvey yes. either he had a mustache the card had a mustache and it was steve harvey that man is so booked and busy <laughs> he um, really is <laughs> it's one of those things that gives me the ick when i hear it too yeah because i think I've, i'm one of those people who um it's been revoked and cut up in my face a couple times. Let's let's be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'll share mine first. Okay. My family probably cuts mine because I can't play spades. Same. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Very much that. My family's a Midwest family coming from okay. the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so they're from Chicago. And oh, I can't play that either. I can't play either game. My dad's okay. family is from LA. My mom's family's from Chicago. And so spades and Midwest or dominoes. And me personally, I can't play any of the three. So so where are you at right now, do you think, with your metaphorical black card? I'm very comfortable with my metaphorical black card. Yes, cozy. I feel like the only way that somebody can really revoke your black card is if you felt insecure in it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't. I, I, I've been black my whole life. 
Yes. I can't play spades and I've still been black my whole life. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't feel any way. I'm like, sure. I love that. Thanks. I, I do. I do love that because I am curious, like, what was your blackness like growing up? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, were you raised in a predominantly white area, a predominantly black area? Like, mm-hmm. what was blackness like for you as a child? So here's the thing. I don't know if you spend any time on TikTok. But a lot. Okay, as we all do, it's a problem. <laughs> there is this segment of TikTok that so- talks a lot about suburban black girls and like identifying as a suburban black girl <laughs> and that type of thing. I went to predominantly white schools for all of my life, but I grew up on the east side of Long Beach, which is very black. Not I ne- didn't see a white person in my area at all. And so I don't identify with that term suburban black girl because I am very much a hood black girl, but I grew up with white people going to school constantly. So I would say I didn't grow up around black kids my age, but my family was very black. I lived in a very black area, but I went to school with white people. Is that what kind of shaped your, I feel like those formative childhood years, that's what shapes what movies you like, what bands you like. Absolutely. Was that your experience? 100%. Okay. That is definitely yeah. what shaped a lot of the taste that I have currently. Do you think that Black people, like, we're born Black, but do you also think that we grow into our Blackness? I think that some people kind of have to grow into Blackness, whereas others don't. I talk to my boyfriend about this often because he grew up in Baldwin Hills, which is a very Black area and he always jokes that he didn't see his first white person until he was like 12 (laughs) like he went to school in the area whatever and I always tell him that is such a privilege like I don't even think you understand how severely privileged you are to have had that experience as a child because while you didn't see your first white person until you're 12 I meanwhile was being traumatized by whiteness constantly from way too young of an age up through high school because they they hadn't seen you since they were 12. I was everybody's first Black experience. They had not seen me, you know, until they were 12. And that is a very heavy burden to bear for a seven-year-old, you know, a six-year-old. It was just a lot. So while I do think I had to grow into it, and even that, I feel like there's, there's some wording that I could put there that would make it more specific, because I don't want to say grow into it, but there was some development that happened with regard to my Blackness that mm-hmm. he did not have to experience, right. that I did have to experience. Were there times where you maybe didn't feel like your Blackness was fully embraced? Or did you, what was what was that like? Yeah, so there is this notion that I typically see biracial kids mm-hmm. talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Too Black for the white kids, too white for the Black kids. Yeah, And I always feel a little triggered when I hear biracial people um, assume that it is because they are biracial Mm -hmm. because I have that same experience without being biracial at all. Wow. I've never heard that like put that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't think it has to do with you being half white, half black necessarily. I think it has to be with, has to do with the way that people are assessing you as a person are assessing your interests and the way that you present in the world. Black people love Paramore. Can you explain the title? Mm-hmm. What, so, what does it mean? Why do we love Paramore? 
So I think there are a few theories as to why Black people love Paramore. But before I get to that, I came up with the title Black People Love Paramore because every time anybody would tweet about Black people loving Paramore, the tweet would go viral. I had a viral tweet about it. Anytime I Googled it, there's just a string of tweets, recent tweets. If I Google it today, it'll be like yesterday. Somebody said Black people love Paramore. The day before that, somebody said it. It's constant. It's ubiquitous on the internet. It's something that we all kind of are aware of. And so I wanted to title it that just to give people a rallying cry or a sticking point for what the podcast was going to be. It catches the attention. So yes, that is why. And then I think Black people love Paramore because Haley Williams has specifically said a billion times, a lot of Black people are her influences. Yeah. I don't know if you just saw her TikTok where she was singing an Erica Badu song. Mm-hmm. And she sounded fantastic. Because she's a she's a singer. She's like, she's not a singer. A singer. She's a no. singer. <laughs> no, she's not playing with y'all at all. She's not playing with y'all at all. And that is very clear. And if one thing, if it's one thing, black people love, it's talent. Mm-hmm. Black people yeah. are going to like you or mess mm-hmm. with you, pay you attention if you are talented. The issue is a lot of the girls today are not. I hate to say that, but it's true. A lot of no, the girls today are not. I agree. And Haley simply is not one of those girls. Nope. Yeah, And lately they've been making music that's even more akin to funk music. So I see a lot of black people are getting on the Paramore train now mm-hmm. because it's even getting a little deeper. I feel like there's certain white people or white performers mm-hmm. that kind of like get a pass or like we just readily accept. Um, what are some like other ones that you're into or know of? Ariana Grande, Kelly Clarkson. You, you think? I think Ariana Grande is divisive. I think she is divisive, but she has a fan base of black people that write for her so hard. They're called the Mocha Grandes. Oh, so yeah. So they have a name. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course you have like the older ones, like Tina Marie. Oh, you have um, just readily accepted. Like a lot of people didn't even know that she was a white woman. That guy who just died. Bobby. Something. Oh, Bobby. What you won't do for love. I know, what you won't do. Yeah. People Bobby are just Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, Caldwell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, Phil Collins is readily accepted by lots of black people. Um, Kelly Clarkson. You're, na- again. you're naming people with, like you said, talent. 100%. It's talent. Black people stand talent. I'm telling you. What are some other things that we like that like most people wouldn't even consider to be like I don't know, like anime, black, yeah, black. I've never dated a black man that did not love anime. Really, a hundred percent. Skateboarding, another thing that I feel like My, lots yeah. of black people really like. And My then adjacent brother. to that, Tony Hawk, also somebody that's readily accepted by black people often. <laughs> um, did you see that tweet know, where he said, "Yes, he, that's, he, he that's was the okay one. getting shot in the race." Yes. Before. Tony Hawk, people were talking about, who would you trade in the race war? And somebody said, I would hate to do this. Or who, you know, who would you save in the race war? And somebody's like, damn, I have a really hard time getting rid of Tony Hawk. And he was like, thank I, you. I appreciate your I hesitation. Yeah. He was like, but, but I understand. But I appreciate the hesitation before you take oh, me out. That's so funny. He's like, do what you need to do. Hey. And that's why he accepted, you know? So skateboarding, my brother is a skateboarder. And I always thought of that as being like a little alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to mosh, I found out mm-hmm. via Instagram. Uh, scary. Yeah. And so what are some other 
things that really interests you about like the alt black space? It's funny that it's called alt because it implies that there is a default and this is alternative to that. Whereas I think my podcast is kind of highlighting that alternative is not really that different. I'm not really that different from we're all like this. Like a lot of us indulge in Paramore and skateboarding and anime. It's a it's very common. And so I just wanted to give us a space to come and see that representation because mainstream media is not going to do it. But we know that it exists. It's not unusual. But also, I will say, while I do enjoy, you know, a good little white band or something of the sort, I am always acutely aware of the whiteness involved with it. So I'm always aware that at a My Chemical Romance concert, I'm gonna look around and feel a little bit isolated behind that. You know, I don't know. I I don't want to stop liking the things that I like. I think we do have to be selective about who we support. I hope that young people catch on to your show and are like, you know, it's cool that you like, I don't know. I was about to say Peppa Pig. She's pink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I see how you arrived there. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. She's a little white British girl that's also a pig. You know what I'm saying? Um, But you can like what you like and it's okay. I loved this conversation. Me too. You have such a good presence, Taylor. Thank you for for having me. And I love your name. (laughs) Thank you. Like a beautiful tree. (laughs) Thank you. I've never seen it, but I'll take your word for it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This is a perfect interview for you. Because I think you live in that space of, you always surprise me the things that you like. Mm -hmm. Like, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think her show's aim is to kind of just like show that we don't all like the same things Mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't really necessarily ridicule people for the things that they like. Mm -hmm. And then you'd also be surprised that the person next to you may like that thing as well. Right. Can I just say, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the hell y'all were talking about. You were furiously Googling over there. (laughs) Yes, I was. Like, what is black paramour? Black people love paramour. (laughs) That's the name of her show. And, but I know I said, well, okay, so it's clearly something is about paramour. So Mm -hmm. let me Google that. Like, what is that? And then I saw a white band. Then I saw it listed. I, I was, I was fascinated. You learn something new. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Ms. TikToker. I was fascinated. TikToking. And it makes me appreciate the internet in general. Like, even when they brought up the suburban black girl thing, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, found a new home community, apparently. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> B, where has that been all my life? Right, right. It's like, I needed you. But also just knowing that, like, there's all these niche, like, little subgroups online right. that you can join and just find your little tribe. Yeah. I'm like, the internet's helping us. I always roast social, but I'm I'm happy for it. So thank you all for sharing. Your... You see how animated I got about this conversation? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Right. I feel myself being animated. <laughs> okay. My whole I, body's into it. I think <laughs> anyone can speak to this. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. everyone is going to have different stakes. This is a magical and safe space. Yeah. You know what okay. I'm imagining? Like yes. a little bonfire mm-hmm. and there's the black card. We just... I'm ripping it and I'm fire. burning it. Yeah. You know? It makes s'mores. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to burn it. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute, man. Let me stick my hand in there and pull it. I don't know if I want to burn it. I just want to, I want to widen the deck. And that's a wrap on our episode about the black card and blackness. 
If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Don't miss out on the latest and greatest from your When Magic Happens family. Subscribe to our newsletter. The perfect companion to the podcast is chock full of magic. Join our email community at wbez.org backslash newsletters. And big thanks to our amazing guest host, Adora Namigade, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you. Another huge thanks to our guest, Sequoia B. Holmes. You can find her on Twitter at Sequoia B. Holmes. And you can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on socials at Cheryl Jackson. That's Cheryl with an E. Find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. And you can find me, Adora Namigade, on Twitter at Adora KN. And we want to hear from you, our magical listeners. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Send us anything. We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Elizabeth Cambridge is our associate producer. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Production assistance from Justin Bull and engineering by Deshaun Smith. See y'all next week. Good job. Good job. This was so fun. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us. So so fun. fun. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.